141 miles to Montreal. Yeah, so we got a lot to talk about here and 141 miles to do it. So strap in, folks. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, episode 136. As we're on the road to Montreal, literally, Colin Stevenson and I are in a rent-a-car somewhere on the Northway, heading towards the Canadian border for the NHL draft, which is Thursday, first round, and Friday, rounds two through seven. And hi, everyone. I'm your host, Andrew Gross. And as I said, I will be joined pretty much against his will since he's in the car with me. Colin Stevenson, <laughs> as we bring you the uh, first podcast episode in a bit, and I'm sorry about that. Uh, as you know, uh, sort of the Rangers' uh, playoff run had me pulled in a different way, so I spent a lot of time doing that. And really, after Lane Lambert was named as uh, or promoted from associate coach to head coach on May 16th, it's. Uh, kind of been uh, a little bit quiet with the Islanders. We do have a little bit of news, but first I want to say hi to uh, Colin, who will be uh, also our boom microphone uh, <laughs> operator today. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for having me on this trip. It's going to be a fun road trip. I'm really looking forward to it. It's our favorite city. Me and you, we can do a lot of damage in Montreal. Yeah. I'm <laughs> so, so looking forward to it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And by damage, that means we're going to go to the Botanical Gardens, <laughs> and we're going to walk along the river, and it's going to be a very pleasant... Uh, actually, it's going to be a busy week. As I said, uh, first round comes up Thursday night at Bell Center, and Friday you get rounds 2 through 7, starting around 11 a.m. or so on Wednesday the general managers will have one of their annual meetings uh, at the Media Hotel, and uh, we're hoping maybe to uh, actually talk to Lou Lamarillo there. We're, we're, we're assuming we'll see him there, so uh, I'm hoping uh, he'll, he'll stop and talk at least. But uh, uh, just in a bit maybe of... Maybe he'll tell you who he's going to pick. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, because Lou's definitely going to tell me who's going to pick at number 13. Uh, in the first round, but before we get to that and a bit of news, uh, the Islanders on Tuesday, actually, as uh, we were driving up the throughway, um, did announce their hires for their two assistant coaches. That would be Doug Huda, a former Islander from the mid-90s, who was most recently an assistant coach with the Red Wings, and also Brian Wiseman, who was most recently an assistant coach with the Edmonton Oilers. So those are your uh, two new assistant coaches to go along with uh, new head coach Lane Lambert, and uh, it certainly appears at this point, I know uh, I, I sort of steered you guys in a different direction earlier off this, uh, this offseason, but as of right now, it, it appears that uh, Director of Goaltending Mitch, uh, Mitch Korn will be back next season, and also uh, waiting to see on Piero Greco whether he too returns to the staff, but uh, Let's turn our attention for now, and we'll get back to the assistant coaches uh, in a little bit uh, when we do some Andrew's answers. But, uh, Colin, 
we, we did our mock draft together uh, last week. That was in the Sunday's uh, news day, in case uh, people did not catch that. We did all 32 picks for the first round. Colin, what's your impression on maybe what the strength of this draft is and maybe how unpredictable this draft is going to be? I think it's it's unpredictable mostly because of COVID, right? Um, so the, for some of these guys haven't played as much as they would normally play. You know, uh, was it uh, Shane Wright missed an entire season, I believe, because of COVID. Um, and, and the guys who did play, they played shortened seasons and, you know, they weren't able to be scouted properly. And, you know, the, you know we don't know what kind of competition there might have been. So for that reason, I think the scouts maybe don't have as good a read on, on the guys as they might in a normal year. And so, you know, when, when uh, at the trade deadline when a lot of stuff was happening and draft picks were being traded for, you know, veteran help, a lot of times you, you, you found out or you saw that teams are more interested in getting 2023 draft picks than they were in getting 2022 draft picks. So I'm really not sure how strong a draft this is going to be. Um, Shane Wright, which, you know, you and I... Uh, agreed would be the, the first pick overall going to Montreal. He had been, I think, pretty much the consensus number one pick, except for up until maybe the last week or so, um, whereas Juraj Slavkovsky, who was the, the number one rated European prospect according to the NHL Central Scouting, um, you know, some people think that he might go first, and, uh, and so there's there's a little bit of intrigue there, I guess, at number one. I still believe that Shane Wright, who is the top North American prospect, is probably going to be the, you know, the pick. Um, and then we'll see after that. So it's going to be probably those two guys, one and two, and then, and then we'll see where, where everything goes. It's a, you know, it's a, but it's, it's always like this, though. I mean, you know, how much do we really know about these kids? I mean, we're not watching, you know, we're not watching junior hockey in, in Finland. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much we can be expected to know about these kids, and, uh, and we'll find out. And we trust the scouts that they know what they're looking at and that these kids are going to be good players, and we'll see. And, and I can tell you, for for those of you who, who care, and most of you don't because this is an Island, Islander podcast, but the Rangers don't have a first-round pick. So I'll be going, then I'll be bringing you coffee and, and water <laughs> and, and snacks You know, while you're sitting there sweating out your number 13 overall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why we got you along this weekend. But no, I mean, you, you go because you don't know what's going to happen. And a team can make a trade at any time. And, you know, you, you go in, it seems like every year you go in with all these expectations. Oh, it's going to be a really active weekend and or actually not a weekend. It's on a Thursday, Friday uh, this, this time around. We'll talk about that a little bit later also. But you wonder how many different moves are going to be made and, you know, teams move up, move down. Always seems to fall a little bit short of expectations in terms of uh, draft trades, but there have been times, you know, I'm thinking back to uh, when Lou Lamarillo was running the Devils and the draft was at the Prudential Center and he traded for Corey Schneider. Uh, He got him from the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, I think he sent a the eighth overall pick and, and wound up getting Corey Schneider and that broke about 30 minutes if I recall before the draft started so there was a huge buzz in New Jersey 
And it should be noted that this is going to be fun because this is the first time since 1985 the host city's team, in this case the Montreal Canadiens, have the first overall pick. In 85, the draft was in Toronto, and the Maple Leafs had the first overall pick. So Was that Wendell Clark? Uh, you're, you're taxing me here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Come on. Yeah, well. You Let's know. Google it. Uh, <laughs> I got my hands on the wheel, and, and also, uh, as I will uh, maybe a couple of times uh, through the podcast, if you're hearing some ambient noise in the background, we literally are in a car recording this podcast, so uh, you can hear the wind whipping through my hair, or at least around the car here, um, but no, it, this 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 is the first in-person draft since 2019 in Vancouver, which... Uh, Colin and I had a lot of fun covering. Who knew that it was going to be, you know, uh, another three years, really, before we got back to a draft. Montreal was supposed to host the draft in 2020. That, of course, along with many, many other things, were among the COVID casualties. And so in 2020 and 2021, the, the draft was held virtually. And I'm telling you, that was not much fun to to cover because those drafts really seem to drag. I, I think in person there's there's more of a pace to it, certainly on the second day when things fly by quickly. But uh, it, it, it is interesting, and it, it really is interesting when you go into a draft and there isn't, you know, the, the clear-cut number one. As you said, I think... I, I certainly expect the Canadians to take Shane Wright, and, and you can get into the discussion of, you know, if you have the number one overall pick, what is more valuable? You know, Shane Wright is more of a kind of a responsible two-way center. He may never be a top-line center in the NHL. He may not project that way. And then you got Slavkovsky. Uh, am I even close to that? Uh, <laughs> uh, Close enough. Close enough. Yeah, uh, the Devils picking number two. I, I think if the Canadians take right at number one, then Slavkovsky becomes a, a no-brainer at number two. But if, if the Canadians go the other way and they take the wing, Slavkovsky, at, at number one, then I think this draft really opens up. And it's no sure thing that the Devils go with Shane Wright at number two, considering they've they've taken Jack Hughes and Nico Heeshear, and they're really set with a top top six center. So, if if Shane Wright is not the number one, this draft could really a lot of people's mocks could really be upended here. Yeah, I mean the, the interesting thing is, let's say Montreal does go with Slavkovsky and the Devils opt not to, you know, not to take Shane Wright, do they trade out of that pick? Yeah. Or do they just pick another guy? You know, I mean, like, they could... You know, they're common. You know, they're, they're a young team. Uh, they bottomed out, I believe. Uh, I believe that, you know, Jack Hughes showed us last season, this past season, that, you know, he's legit. And I think that they're on the rise and they're going to be good. But they could use help all over the rink, yeah. except at center. Yeah, exactly. And that, that, that what, that's what makes that pick Slavkovsky so intriguing, you know, kind of that sniper on the wing, you know. I mean, you know, we've been talking about getting someone like that for the Islanders for a long, long time, you know. And 
got to face lower and get a higher pick. <laughs> got a tank for Slapskowski? I, I don't think uh, a Lou and tank, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of words. We've said that Lou doesn't know how to spell rebuild. I, I, I don't think he knows how to spell tank either. So, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, let, 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 let's talk a little bit about the Islanders here. They, they, they own the 13th overall pick. The team has a ton of needs. You're talking and, and you know, these needs are, these are not needs that are necessarily going to be filled through the draft. I think when you're drafting 13th, you, you go, you know, best overall for sure. And I think most GMs want to do best, you know, the, the player at the top of the board, regardless of, you know, uh, uh, of need, positional need. You usually draft at the top of your board. But at number 13, you know, the, the, the Islanders certainly, we, we've talked about they need that that, that that guy who can play with Matthew Barzell, that, that lethal playmaking scorer on a wing. Um, are they going to get that through the draft? Not anyone who's going to be available immediately, right? Certainly not at number 13. They need one, if not two, puck-moving defensemen. Uh, and they need that immediately. Um, and if you read Colin and I's mock draft, and again, that was it's available online at newsday.com backslash aisles, and it was also in Sunday's paper, you saw that we sort of projected there might be three puck-moving defensemen, all who might be available around number 13, and that might be the way the Islanders go, and uh, Colin, you want to run through those three guys since you uh, pronounce things better than I do? <laughs> All right, right, so the, the top two defensemen uh, by consensus are uh, David Juracek, and he's he's from from, uh, from the Czech Republic, or Czechia, I guess it's being called these days, and Simon Nemec, Nemec uh, he's Slovak, but both of those guys should be gone by the time the Islanders get around uh, to picking, and and so I think we had a so there's a there's a, a Russian kid um, who played in the Ontario League, uh, Pavel Mintyukov, and then uh, there's uh, Kevin Korchinski who's uh, coming out of Seattle in the Western League, um, and then Denton Matechuk who's coming out of the Western League as well, and that's that's who we have the Islanders taking at 13. We have. We have uh, Korchinski going at 12 to the Blue Jackets, and we have Mintyukov going uh, at 10 to the Anaheim Ducks. Um, and, and, but, I, but I think really any of those guys, if any one of them is there, I think uh, they would be the guy that you know, you, you, you're looking for if you're the Islanders, that puck-moving guy that maybe is not going to play for you this season or next, but you know, in a couple years could be back there. Um, in, and uh, and there for a long time. So that's who we have them taking. But of course, as you say, I mean the draft could get blown up at one, and then who knows who knows where we go from there. So <clears throat> you know, it, it's that's what makes it exciting. But you know, you talked about trades too, and I remember where were we? Was it in Dallas where the Devils traded for PK Subban? I and yeah. that was the big deal of that. You know, and then I think uh, the one year when uh, Dougie Hamilton got traded. I mean, so. It's, you know, I, I think we we're hoping that there's going to be a big trade that's going to be exciting. You know, again, 
the Rangers, the team that I cover, don't have a pick in the first round, so I might not be doing much on that first night of the draft, but other than really getting you coffee. But, um, but yeah, there's always that uh, you know that that possibility that somebody somewhere is going to make a big deal. There are there are some free agents uh, that you know free agency opens up next week, um, and, and you know maybe teams will want to buy trade for the rights, and you know th- there's all kinds of salary cap issues. Uh, I can tell you that you know. From my perspective, the Rangers are, you know, they don't have a second-line center at this point because Ryan Strom, who, you know, the ex-Islander, who had been their second-line center as an unrestricted free agent, and, you know, they're exploring their options. There could be a trade, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, guys like that are out there. And so it is, uh, it's always interesting, and I'm really excited. Yeah, you, you talk about trades, and, and Lou Lamarillo, when the season ended, uh, I think we were talking to him. It might have been when he announced that uh, Barry Trotz was not going to come back as head coach. He, he discussed the need to make hockey trades this offseason. What is a hockey trade? Can you explain that to me? <laughs> a hockey trade, not a salary dump. You know, because Lou has been kind of cornered into a couple of those the past two off-seasons. And that's why we're talking about the Islanders' need for these puck-moving defensemen. Because in in successive off-seasons, you trade Devon Taves to the Colorado Avalanche for two second-round picks. Which is not equal return. And you saw Taves helping the Avalanche to a Stanley Cup this season, right? So I'm sure there are a lot of Islander fans with, uh, you know, palm marks on on their forehead over (laughs) over that. And, uh, yeah, as Colin (laughs) smacks his forehead. And and then the following offseason, you get Nick Letty traded to the uh, Detroit Red Wings. Again, and it's it's to clear salary cap room, right? So those are the impetus. And and you saw Lou Lamarillo. Here's the definition of not a hockey trade. (laughs) Sending Andrew Ladd to the Arizona Coyotes for nothing. <laughs> just so the Coyotes, for future considerations, just so the Coyotes would take that contract. That is not a hockey trade. That's a, that, that, that's a salary trade. Lou Lamarillo is talking about, you know, just to use an example here, maybe trading a forward like an Anthony Beauvillier to another team to bring back a puck-moving defenseman or, or, or something like that. Now, of course, in the salary cap world, you, you always have to sort of even up the salaries in a little bit, so that impacts everything. But Lou's talking about, you know, trading talent for for talent that you need more than the talent you're trading away. And while we're talking about that, obviously any team that, that calls the Islanders right now you're probably also asking about Oliver Wallstrom. You're asking about, uh, you know, maybe Simon Holmstrom, probably Aturate. Uh, you're asking about Robin Sallow. Maybe you're asking about Samuel Bolduck. But are you going to ask about that 13th overall pick? And can Lou use that 13th overall pick to maybe make a hockey trade at the draft? And I, I think that's one of the things why you go up there with a little bit of excitement. Could you could you see Lou packaging this 13th overall pick rather than taking maybe a, a puck-moving defenseman at number 13 who, 
would almost certainly go back to juniors for at least one more season because they're not AHL available, uh, eligible. You're not going to do what you did with Noah Dobson and basically have him have a two-year apprenticeship at the NHL. Um, you know, these are players. Noah Dobson, uh, just the backstory. When, when the Islanders drafted Noah Dobson, I believe he was at number 12. Uh, Wallstrom was at number 11, uh, and, and Noah came in at number 12. And the Islanders off, you know, Noah back-to-back Memorial Cups, they felt he had gone as far as possible in Canadian junior hockey as he could, and his development was going to be further stunted if he stayed in Canadian junior hockey. I don't think that would be the case for any of these three uh, players, Matichuk or, you know, uh, Kruczynski, uh, Mityov, uh, God, I probably butchered all three. Mityukov. Thank you, Mityukov. <laughs> these podcasts are difficult. Okay. <laughs> um... 141 miles to Montreal. Yeah, so we got a lot to talk about here and 141 miles to do. It's a strap-in, folks. So, Colin, the the question is, would it be better suited for the Islanders to get better now to maybe consider trading that 13th overall pick to include or or maybe just to get a puck-moving defenseman? Absolutely. I mean, the Islanders are a win-now team. I mean... They went to the, the semifinals two years in a row. Didn't make the playoffs this year, which was a, a, a huge disappointment. I think all of us all of us certainly thought they would make the playoffs. All of us certainly thought they'd be a contender. Some people picked them to win the cup, not me. I picked Colorado, but, you know. Um, thank you, thank you. Um, <clears throat> but, but yeah, no, they're, they're a team that's built to win now. Um, you know, they're... You know, they, he has cleaned up. Uh, Lou has uh, some of the salary cap issues to a degree, but it's not like they're swimming in cap room. Um, and, and you want to, you have a young star in Matt Barzal, and I think you want to, you want to win or at least show him that you're on the path to winning while he's young, so that maybe he stays as opposed to maybe leaving when he has the chance. So I, I don't, I don't think he has time to wait. I don't think he wants to wait around. You know, you got some of your veterans, Anders Lee. You know Bailey. Um, you know you, you got to win now. I mean that uh, that I was going to call him the crash line, which shows you how old I am. <laughs> <clears throat> that identity line of theirs, I think, is is not. I mean, are they coming back? Or are they breaking yeah, them up? No, no, they're all signed. They, they, they re-signed Cal Clutterbuck. None of those guys is getting any younger. So this is a team that you know you want to get uh, that one or two pieces. Um, that you need to, to give yourself a shot now. And I don't think you have time to wait three years for a guy that you pick at 13 uh, on Thursday to, to be a factor in your lineup. So, yeah, if there's, if there's a deal there to be made and you can swing it with the salary cap and it makes sense in a, you know, like a hockey deal, as you say, then go do it, man. Do, do what you got to do. The, the, the flip side of that is, and, and I agree with you, uh, I mean, the way this team is constructed, and, and even talking about Matthew Barzell, uh, 25, you're, you're not, you're no longer talking about a young center. You're, you're talking about a guy who is in his prime now, right? Right, right. I, I mean, these are the years you have to maximize him, I and mean, he's going into the final season of a three-year, $21 million deal. Uh, he counts seven million against the cap this season. What's it going to cost next season? I mean, it's going to be more than seven million. And 
mentioned, I know he's a restricted free agent impending with, with arbitration rights, but I, 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 know, I know Matt Barzell t- says all the right things about this is the place he wants to be and this is the team he wants to play for. This is where he wants to win. He says all the right things. I, I, I sort of feel like he's, he's, he's a smart hockey guy. You're going to have to convince him that this is his best possible uh, scenario, that this is the place where he should be. And that, that, even, that, 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 that increases the pressure to be a win-now team, I, I, I sort of feel. The, the, the flip side, though, and, you know, maybe this is someone else's issue, but <laughs> Lou Lamarillo has to be a little bit concerned that the Islanders' farm system is one of the, is not well ranked. Uh, not that the cupboard is completely bare, but it, it's not fully stopped. And if you trade away this first-round pick, and, and if you keep having this win-now mentality, you know, when does that catch up to you? How soon does that catch up to you? This is a team where a lot of the players are on the other side of 30. And, you know, it, it could be fun. It was fun, you know, two seasons before last season. This pr- previous season was not fun at all. You know, it, is next season are, are these going to be the 65 Yankees or, or, or does this group have another run or two in them and I, I, I still think that's an open-ended question and if you're, you're if you're so gung-ho win now and you trade away the 13th pick then you're you know how much hurt are you going to be in you know two three four years down the road and you know again I, I don't know whether that's something that Lou needs to concern himself with because is he going to be running the show three, four seasons down the road? Uh, you know, he's certainly not going to discuss that and he's given no indication of slowing down. But, you know, from the outside, that's something you do have to question, I would think. Weren't you telling me uh, he's not a young guy? Oh, no, no, oh, no, 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 please. No, 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 no. I, we, I, we were talking about, <laughs> as, as Colin tries to get me on the uh, <laughs> uh, uh, on the no-no list here. <laughs> we were talking about how energetic and what great shape Lou Lamarillo is in. That's true, that's true. And how impressed we were with him and how sharp he is. That was the conversation. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair. That's yes, true. and age is somewhat of an arbitrary number. It's how well you you keep yourself up. I mean, you know, I'm not in great shape, but you know, I'm 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 a little bit younger than Lou, right? But I think so. Yeah. Although I might take Lou in a fight if it's between you and Lou. Yeah, Lou would take himself in a fight between <laughs> him and me too. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I I think you're right. But I I just think that Lou doesn't have time to waste. Right, like yeah. if you look at look at the team in the city, right? Look at the Rangers. Um, they announced that rebuild. They stripped it down to the studs, basically. I mean, you know, there's there's two guys left on the team from when they announced the rebuild, and that's Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad. So they they got rid of everybody and they loaded up on prospects. Um, but it took them four years to get back to the playoffs, right? I mean, four years, and that's warp speed. When you consider that they won the lottery two years in a row, 
Yeah. I mean, they won the lottery and moved up to number two overall and got Kapokako three years ago. Uh, and then the next year, out of nowhere, you know, out of the bubble, they end up winning the lottery and and, and get Alexis Lafreniere. So in back-to-back years, they win the lottery and they get the number two overall and number one overall. So that, you know, that, that sped them up pretty quickly. Uh, and it still took four years. So, it, you know, can you... If you're a team like the Islanders in the, in the situation that they're in, can you really say, you know what, we're going to strip it down and rebuild, and then and, and we'll be back in in five six years? Uh, that's a long time, buddy. Yeah, no, especially with the ownership and trying to sell the new arena. That that's not a spot they want to be in. I know Lou has no no desire to to do that. Um, so. It, 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 it is going to be interesting uh, as far as uh, you know which way the Islanders go. But if you're 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 talking about you know making this team better, you know I, I certainly think trades and free agency are going to have a much bigger impact. I mean that goes without saying than what happens at this year's draft in terms of the prospects they bring in. Uh, you know, the, the, the Islanders, uh, you know, they they have, uh, uh, again, I got my two hands on the wheel here, so I'm not staring, but I know they got a second-round pick as well, and, uh, you know, so they're, they're, they're well-stocked with picks going into this draft, so they, they do have some room to maneuver, and, uh, you know, if, if you pin me down, is Lou going to make a deal here? I, I would think the odds tend to skew towards possibly yes. You know, Lou is a very tough guy to read, but you know, now is the time to lay the groundwork. You got the GM meeting on Wednesday, and boy, those two days on the draft floor—it's all about GMs bumping into each other and possibly, you know, setting the groundwork for something. So. You know, I'm not going to guarantee you see something with the Islanders, but uh, nothing that that would not surprise me if Lou does swing a deal here over the next two days. And you know, we, we're, we're talking about defensemen. When, when when Colin and I first did the mock draft, I think we had what Connor Geeky, yeah, <clears throat> potentially going to the Islanders. There are a bunch of centers uh, who could get drafted around there as well. Uh, you know, Connor Geeky is younger brother of uh, Morgan Geeky with the Seattle Kraken. Um, there's some there, there's some wild speculation as to where Geeky gets drafted just because uh, his skating may be a little bit suspect. So you've seen him in mock drafts anywhere from like 10 to 11 down into the 20s. So uh, I, we, we we, we did our initial mock draft, and then I got back in touch with Colin, and I was like, I, I really think defense is the way to go here. And I think that probably locks in the fact that that Lou is going to take a center there. Colin, who are the other centers we were looking at uh, around there? You got Connor Geeky, and then uh, there were about two or three other ones as well, correct? Now you're asking me to look stuff up? Really? Um, <laughs> no, but, you know, you. let's see. All right, I'm just going back over what we what we, we have here. Well, the, the guys like Sav- Matthew Savoy and Marco Casper, I think we have them gone yeah, long before, before the Islanders uh, 
pick, but I think, you know, no, that's it. I mean, Geeky's, Geeky's going at, at 14, we give him, uh, and then Nathan Gauthier was a guy that was, was interesting. Um, he's a guy that you've seen going in a lot of different spots in various mocks as well. But, you know, the, it all comes back to the same thing where, you know, the guy's not going to help you next season. So, you know, it doesn't really matter if you're trying to win now, right? So, but he, he, the other thing you mentioned that you, when you say that the Islanders are well-stocked for picks, do they have all their 2023 picks? Because those are those are in heavy demand as well. So, I mean, you know, those, those could be in play as well. And then free agency being next week, I know that we're going to talk about this a little bit later, I'm sure, but but there are some guys out there that, that the Islanders certainly would have interest in. And if they can, you know, swing uh, swing some deals where they can clear some cap space, you know, then, then maybe you want to be making a deal now before free agency opens to clear cap space to kind of give you uh, the opportunity to bring in, uh, you know, maybe a bigger name player. You know, maybe somebody who could play with Matthew Barzell. I mean, we talked about, you know, keeping him happy and he's in his prime and stuff. You know, I mean, it'd be nice if he had a real sniper on his right wing there, no? A guy like uh, Johnny Hockey, Johnny Gaudreau might, uh, that, that that's certainly the name that everyone would point to, or Philip Forsberg, and there's no guarantee either one gets to the free agency market, and both of them are going to be really, really pricey, and then you're talking about, you know, how many millions of dollars do you have to lop off the salary cap as of right now you're looking at uh, the islanders having about 12 million in salary cap space you're also talking about noah dobson uh, as a restricted free agent needing a deal and uh you know so and we'll we'll get into this later this is more of a draft uh, uh preview episode but you know we we've speculated on whether the islanders could get anything, you know, in a trade for Josh Bailey or whether they're going to get, you know, Anthony Beauvillier's 4.15 off the salary cap. But if you bring in a puck-moving defenseman, that's going to cost you a lot too. So uh, the salary cap, as much as Lou just does want to make hockey trades, the salary cap is going to impact everything. But we're, we're, we're now going to push it forward because I know there are a couple of questions lined up here for Andrew's Answers. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. And the first one I want to get to, uh, and he emailed me, I think, a couple of weeks ago and asked me when I was doing my next podcast because he had a question. So, Thomas Boyle, unfortunately, I waited so long to do the next episode that your your question was answered. But... Uh, uh, Thomas was curious about who the Islanders might bring in as assistant coaches. And uh, again, uh, today on Tuesday, as we were driving uh, somewhere south of Albany, the Islanders announced uh, Brian Wiseman, uh, ex of the Edmonton Oilers, and ex-Islander Doug Huda uh, has come, have come in to join Lane Lambert's uh, staffs. We don't know exactly... Uh, you know, exactly what positions and what the responsibilities are. We have not had a chance to talk to Lane Lambert since the day he was hired. Um, so that, you know, those are all questions. But 
you know, before those two names came out there, a couple I was going to bring up, and, and I saw this, and it probably, you know, happened too late in the Islanders' interview process, but uh, the San Jose Sharks just let go of two ex-Devils in Johnny McLean and uh, John Madden as assistant coaches, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking boy, does Lou kind of flip through his Rolodex and get those guys uh, on the phone. But, uh, you know, Doug Huda and Brian Wiseman are the two picks, Thomas. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about them after we talk to Lane and we kind of get a sense of how this all fits in in terms of, you know, who, you know, Lane Lambert was... Oh, obviously Barry Trotz's top lieutenant is there going to be that kind of designation going forward here and I also want to point out that the Islanders have, uh, from or Lou Lamarillo from a front office uh, point of view uh, Jim Pagliafito uh, I'm also probably mispronouncing that name so I apologize to everyone involved for that but um, that's the uh, basically he was with the Maple Leafs he, he it appears he was let go in May, but he was the Maple Leafs fixer, really, in Europe. He was the guy who recruited and scouted European free agents, and he's very, very well regarded within the NHL. So he joins uh, Lou's front office, and uh, I think that's a win for the Islanders in terms of recruiting and really getting a good handle on uh, some European free agents. And, you know, a lot of people have projected this guy as uh, a future NHL GM. Uh, he's got that kind of smarts. Colin, what else do we got in the queue? The first is from Dr. Crentist, who says, do you think having free agency open up after the draft rather than on July 1st makes things more complicated than the GM world. Also, how do you think the NHLPA feels about it? Um, and I, I think, you know, I, I don't know that that's any different than the way it's, it's been. I mean, the draft is always before free agency, as, as I recall. No, I mean, the draft is usually, uh, I believe the draft is usually like the last week of June, and then the free agency usually starts on July 1st. This is a different year, though. Yeah, yeah, no, this is... Things have been so mixed up through the two pandemic years, but um, or the two pandemic off seasons, uh, that it's kind of tough to remember. Like after the bubble, you know, everything was all discombobulated because um, you know by the time the bubble was over, we were into September, and I forget when they conducted the draft, and then they got into free agency. Uh, but that was a little weird. And uh, but this season or this off season, even though it's pushed back later into the summer, it's more of the same schedule, where where you have the draft and then uh, about you know, within a week you get free agency going. And the reason you do that is because the draft is the draft, and you know however four hundred prospects or whatever it is are, are, are selected here. But all the agents are going to be in Montreal, and all the GMs are going to be in Montreal. And, uh, you know, this is where discussions start, you know. So uh, whether, you know, you can't formally discuss contracts, but a lot of groundwork is, is laid at the NHL draft. And so 
this is the order that the NHLPA prefers. This is the order that GMs prefer. It, it does make it easy, uh, easier uh, to, to have this kind of feeling out process before you get the uh, free agent window open. Yeah, I just, uh, just remember, uh, <clears throat> I guess it was four years ago now, and you and I, we were new to Newsday, and it was our, our very first draft. Yeah. Um, together, we'd, we'd come on in, in uh, February of 2018, and then so we were going to the draft, and we had, we both had to be there a day late because both of our both of us had a, a kid who was graduating high school. Yeah. And uh, and so yeah, and then and then of course the, the the free agency that was the end of June, and then free agency also always was the, was July 1st. So yeah, so that's that's always been the order. All right, let's so let's uh, move on to the next question. Uh, this is from. Professional contrarian, Matt the professional contrarian. Matt the professional contrarian. I couldn't couldn't read this uh, hieroglyphics or whatever <laughs> he has here, and, and, you know, to lead off his, his handle. But he says, "LL that would be Lou Lamorello." Yes, has said before that he considers draft picks second to current player slash talent. What realistic options do we have for the thirteenth pick and possible prospects in a trade deal? So in other words. I'm thinking what Matt, the professional contrarian, is asking is, how valuable do you think this 13th pick overall and, you know, might be in, in a trade for an established guy? Well, let's, let's put it this way. I think number 13, without naming names, I think with the number 13, you could trade that straight up maybe for a player who's making in the 2.5 to 3.75 million range. And a number 13 and something else for a player above that in salary. And, and, and you know, I know that that's not a fair way to put it because sometimes these $5 million players, you actually have to, you know, include draft picks to get them off your hands. But I'm ter- talking about an in-their-prime guy who is making $5 million and is worth every penny of that $5 million. I think you're, it's going to be more than a number 13 to, to bring that in. You're, you're probably talking about, you know, the, the prospects I was talking about, you know, a Wallstrom, a Bellows, a, you know, including that. Would you trade Wallstrom? Would I trade Wallstrom? There are instances, yes, where I would trade Wallstrom. I, I, I think, too, if you're giving me an established scorer, right, um, and I don't know who that is, but there are instances where, yeah, I would let up, I would let go of Oliver Wallstrom to, to bring in someone who's at the next level in terms of the playmaking. Would, would, would you? Well, I think you would have to. I mean, he's what is he? 21, 22, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if you can bring in a guy who's again, this is a win now team. So if you can bring in a guy who's 28, 29, and he's better today than Wallstrom is today, it doesn't matter that Wallstrom might be better than that guy six years from now. If you're trying to win now, you got to do what you got to do to win now. So yes, I, I agree. I, I would, I would be willing to trade him for the right deal. What would that right deal look like? You know what I mean? Like if you're gonna say Wallstrom and the number thirteen overall, that's got to get you back a pretty good player. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I'll be honest, like just mentally going up and down the organizational roster, I don't know how many complete untouchables there are on this roster. I mean, to me, it really might be Noah Dobson, and I, 
I literally would consider a deal for any other player. I mean, I'm even talking about, you know, you know, Adam Pellick or, or Ryan Pulak. You know, if it if it was a home run deal and it cost me a Pellick or a Pulak, I'm certainly considering that, you know. So I, I really feel like Noah Dobson at this point is the one, and obviously now I'm including Matthew Barzell in, in, in people I would consider trading, which, you know, might be heresy. But, you know, it would have to be a home run, you know, franchise altering trade. But honestly, other than Noah Dobson, I don't think I got anyone on the no fly zone at this point. That's fair. I just want to update uh, the listeners that I just saw a sign for Lake Placid, and that's always cool. So um, let us move on here. Uh, There's a couple more questions. One from Michael. Islander Junkie. Um, what are the odds the Isles actually make a pick in the first round? Which I think we've talked about. Um, so, I, you know, would you, would you think it's 50-50 that he makes a trade? I'm going to go... I'm going to say 57.5% <laughs> chance that the Islanders selected number 13. You got a, you got a percentage there? Do you agree? I, I think 57.5% sounds just exactly right to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's move on because we, we did talk about that already. Uh, um, Top Shot Yoda asks, what one player would make the most difference to the Isles if they were able to add him? And Neil Best, our buddy, had the answer. <laughs> Said McDavid, of course. Yeah. But... Assuming McDavid's not available, what one player do you think the Islanders could target, go out, either via trade or free agency, that, you know, is, is a guy that really would turn them in the direction they want to go in? I mean, I, I, the, the two that come to mind are the two marquee, unrestricted free agents that they get there in uh, Johnny Gaudreau or Philip Forsberg because they need that scoring. You know, the, the puck-moving defensemen out there are not quite at that level, I, I don't think, uh, on the on the free agent. Tony D. Tony I, D. I, I know what you're saying, and, you know, I wanted to bring that up because, look, I didn't cover Tony D'Angelo when he was with the Rangers. You did. But from, you know, the distance of being on the other side of the uh, East River and... Uh, it certainly looked like a cluster mess, right? <laughs> but he was, he was, um, yeah, he had some baggage. Having said that, having covered that Ranger Hurricane series, and you know, a couple of times talking to him and seeing the way he played for the Hurricanes this season, and the way he purported himself. And the way he kept himself in line, really, this season, I think there are a lot of teams who are going to be lining up to try and bring Tony D'Angelo in. And, you know, whatever past baggage there is, I think a lot of teams are going to overlook that uh, this offseason. I'm not quite sure Lou Lamarillo, given the culture-based, you know atmosphere he likes, you know, let, let's put it this way, you know, uh, 
and again, this is another question for Lou Lamarillo, but is he going to allow Bodie Wilde back through the door after banishing him essentially to Europe for not getting his vaccine last year, right? Uh, where, where do we stand with that? And, you know, and, and that speaks to the culture that, that Lou Lamarillo and the coaching staff are trying to build. Look, again, I, I know Tony D'Angelo from afar. I haven't been in a dressing room with him. Based on what he did this season, I think he would be a great add to any team. And, and, and I might take a chance on him. And now, Colin, you know him better. Would, would you take a chance on Tony D? Um, I, I like him as a player, um, but I, I don't know that I would. And it depends. You know, I suppose cost, cost has something to do with it. Look, Carolina... Carolina, you know, got mileage out of him. They took a chance on him because they got him for one million dollars. Mm-hmm. So if you can get him for a reasonable cost, then you know it's it's low risk. Um, if you're talking five million dollars, is that it? You know, that's probably what he's worth um, as a player. But but maybe you don't want to risk five million dollars in your salary cap for a guy who is as volatile as he is. But somebody will. It's no. just a question of whether Lou will. Yeah, I mean, and, and what type of term are you looking at with Tony D'Angelo? Do you think any team, you know, certainly he's going to want a, a four- or five-year deal, I would think, if, if not a seven-year deal. But I, I don't think he could get a seven-year deal anywhere. So what does he get, a three- or four-year deal? I mean, is that too many years? Is that too great a risk, three or four years for Tony D'Angelo? I, I, I certainly think his number, based on the comparables would be five and a half and above at, the, at this point. Um, you know, do you do a three times 5.5 for a guy like that? I, I don't know. I mean, you're, you know, just on hockey skill, you're, you're, you're getting a good buy, but it's everything else. So, you know, that's, that's going to be a curious one to me. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I probably, uh, I probably distracted you a little bit from, from, uh, from the, from the, bigger picture and I kind of threw that out there but there's other people and, and, and other situations. Alright, so let's move on from Kurt Green Do we know which RFAs were not qualified by the Isles? And if we don't, when will we know? Kurt, I am sorry, I do not have that information right now. I am hoping to find that stuff out at the draft Right, and we're on our way there now And uh, How many more miles? How many more miles? Uh, give me a second here. We're at mile post humana, humana, humana. I, we're, we're about, uh, I'm going to say we're about 80 miles away. Nice. Yeah. yeah I mean, listen, to be determined, right? This is why we, uh, yeah. this is why we do this is, is just, uh, we, we go over the various scenarios and, and we see, uh, you know, what, what possibly could happen, what we think would be interesting. And then whatever happens usually catches us by surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Are we talking about the draft or our lives? <laughs> <laughs> we got any more questions or are we good? Nope, I think we're all good. All right, then let me do my ending spiel, which is this has been the New York, uh, Island Ice Podcast, Newsday's New, uh, New York Islanders Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Gross. You can find me on Twitter at Newsday. my co-pilot today, literally... As we were in a car driving to Montreal, 
was Colin Stevenson. You can find him on Twitter at Colin S. Newsday. Colin, thank you so much for riding along here. Thanks for driving, man. Oh, my pleasure. And uh, with that, we're going to uh, cover the draft, and I believe on our ride home on Saturday, we will do a review of the draft, looking ahead to free agency podcast. And until then, happy hockey, everybody.